Hi, I'm Sam Pador, and I'd like to welcome Bunk Gardner. Bunk played saxophone for the Mothers of Invention from 1966 to 1969. So welcome, Bunk. How are you doing? Oh, fine. Thank you. Uh, but I also play bassoon, flute, and clarinet and a, and a, a few of the other woodwind instruments uh, besides just the saxophone. So you did everything. Well, short of that, yes. <laughs> That's a whole lot of instruments. That must have taken a long time to, to learn all of those. Well, you know, Sam, um, um, it's uh, it, it, you, you kind of graduate because bass clarinet and clarinet are really kind of, you know, the same. Um, the only really different instrument for me uh, was uh, bassoon uh, uh, when I started in high school. So... Uh, um, you know, it's just uh, uh, a lot of air, you know, used. Uh, and I, I really didn't get into flute until I uh, I was in the Army. Oh, wow. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the woodwinds and the fingering, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of the same. So you just, like, extend the concept onto a, a different instrument? You could say that, yes. Well, what was your first yeah. instrument? Oh, I started on piano. Uh, both my mother and grandmother, uh, for whatever reason, we always had a piano in the house. And um, I was pretty close to kindergarten, the first grade, and started uh, piano lessons with uh, Elmira Snodgrass, who was um, right down the street from us and... Um, and it was 25 cents a lesson and um and she gave me a little sticker on my uh on my uh piano book if uh, if I did good wow well when did you graduate to woodwinds well uh at some point and um my brother started on trumpet and i remember in elementary school, um, the uh, they said if you if you want to be in the band, you know, you you pick out an instrument, and uh, I thought, well, I'll 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 go with clarinet, and um, and you know that's uh, that's how it kind of started, um, and I I. I, I don't quite remember how I I got a teacher early on uh, on clarinet, but in those days, normally when you played clarinet, after a while you could graduate to saxophone, and um, so I, I I played my clarinet right up until uh, junior high school. Oh wow! And and um, at that point, I must have been, I'd say, 12. And I remember for Christmas, um, I, I got a tenor saxophone, a Martin, beautiful instrument. Uh, and um, I, I uh, was still playing clarinet, but I was kind of practicing both right up until I started uh, high school. So would you say you had a favorite instrument? I didn't think like that, you know. I mean, it was just practice, practice, practice. Oh yeah. And um, 
you know, just a lot of, I had a lot of books, you know, with technical studies and um, it, it was, um, you know, I, I, I didn't mind uh, the time uh, put in to get better because that was, um, you know, that was like the secret word. Got to put in the time. And, you know, it's kind of like the same in fundamentals. You know, you come home from school, put in some time to practice and, and keep getting better. Well, how much would you say you practiced per day? I never thought about that, but uh, for the most part, because I I was still playing piano. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably put in at least uh, an hour, you know, if not more, depending on if I had homework or I had other things uh, that I, I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like you said before, practice practice is what gets you there, right? Well, you know, uh, I, I later on, uh, much later on, uh, I was in a small group that went to uh, schools in the L.A. area, and uh, and it was funded by the by the government. But it was schools that didn't have art and music. And you know, when you're and we we showed them all the the instruments, you know, and and played themes, uh, and also that. Uh, conveying that concept of of uh, getting better at something by practicing so uh, you know I uh, you know you develop uh, discipline at a fairly early age and um, you know it doesn't come all at once but you know over time you you see the improvement uh, of, of that uh, daily uh, routine, but you know, with with um, with uh, clarinet and saxophone and so forth, you know, it, it, you have to have a, a read, a good, good read, you know, play, and that was always um, that was always kind of a problem, you know, in some ways, if you want to sound good. Uh, you got to have a good read. So hmm. there were always little things uh, that go along with uh, playing uh, woodwind instruments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would assume there's so many little parts in playing playing instruments that if one thing goes wrong, you're like toppling over, right? Well, uh, besides that, uh, having a really good instrument, uh, and I, I can't tell you how many in the early, how many clarinets I've gone through or how many how many saxophones because again uh, there's good bad mediocre and very good you know instruments that really make a difference mm-hmm. uh, in feeling comfortable uh, when you're playing yeah well how'd you start working with Frank Zappa after I uh, after I got out of the army and came back to Cleveland um, to uh, to start school, my brother uh, was also studying uh, music in, uh, in New York, and uh, and anyhow, at at some point, and I visit him a couple of times. Uh, I I uh, we decided. Uh, to uh, eventually go out to uh, 
to California because, you know, uh, in the Midwest, everybody was heading south of Florida, uh, you know, to retire or whatever. But uh, it was at that point uh, that uh, my brother and I decided to go west. And um, and uh, I found out, you know, at some point that my brother was uh, in Trieste, Italy, in the army with Don Preston. Mm-hmm. So when we came out, and it's kind of strange, Don was one of the very first, you know, guys that uh, we met uh, after we got uh, to uh, to L.A. And um, it was, uh, Don was living in Chavez Ravine, which is uh, where Dodger Stadium is now. But it was kind of strange that he's one of the very first um, that we met when we came out here. And, um, and uh, you know, Don had uh, some stuff uh, set up at his house where he had, he had, uh, he would hand crank, he had a little machine with paper on it. And, and when you're, color came up you could start playing and improvising and doing anything you want uh so it was at very early stage that um that we were into free improvisation Mm -hmm. and at one of the sessions at don's house frank showed up and he saw what we were doing and i think he also noticed don's record collection which there was some avant-garde stuff and you know classical and so forth and so on so i think initially that caught frank's uh attention so you know i mean uh we all were doing different things god i you know i mean at that time out here in la i mean was playing latin music uh uh there was so much live music and dancing um but at some point, I think Frank contacted Don uh, to play in his band. But but Frank told Don he, he wasn't ready yet to play rock and roll. Oh, wow. Um, uh, but it didn't take much longer that, um, that he actually got Don in the band. And Don contacted me immediately. And um, I think Frank was living in um um Lowell canyon and um i don't know if you remember who the cowboy tom mix was i don't know him okay he was a you know like like a gene autry you know anyhow he, he had a, a house there on the corner of laurel canyon and I, I forget the street but they had a bowling alley in the house but anyhow i went to frank's house I had my bass clarinet, clarinet, my bassoon, my flute, my saxophone, and I, I spent the day, um, Frank, just pulling out music, play this, and actually ended up playing, pulling out some of his piano music. Uh, so I I could see that uh, Frank enjoyed the audition process, and uh, at that point, he asked uh, if I wanted to join the band. Yeah, that that must have been so fun being a professional musician in the '60s. Like, especially with with that group, 
Zappa and and that whole gang. It, it must have been you must have had so many interesting like little little moments and little times you you played. Not really in the beginning because it was nothing but rehearsals for oh, gosh. every day, and and I mean um, not not just a couple of hours, you know. Oh, you know, I mean you you give Frank a, a cup of black coffee and a cigarette. I mean, it was easily six, seven, eight hours sometimes, you know, continuous. And there was, and you know, you could play something and the next day you come back and he would change it. And, you know, I was always writing everything down. And, you know, you go to play something and the next day he would say, oh no, but play this. And anyhow, it was a very um tedious um you know uh, kind of um rehearsal of of writing down parts to be played and then it being changed but there was so much rehearsal we didn't work that much uh, in the early days mm -hmm. yeah that that sounds pretty frustrating that that amount of like oh redo this no that's good never mind it's not well, you know, uh, for for the the, the bass player uh, and uh, and the drummer, you know, it it doesn't matter uh, in terms of you know the songs that we were playing. But again, when you have to write everything down, because at that point, um, I wasn't really into kind of memorizing everything because we were reading music all the time. And, uh, you know, again, that process uh, really uh, continued on a daily basis. Uh, so um, so uh, there wasn't really a lot of concerts uh, uh, in the early days out here, although we would go up to San Francisco almost almost every week or every other week, you know, to, to play. That's a that's a long drive from just like L.A. Well, uh, uh, you know, a few of the times we would fly up, you know, it was mm -hmm. less than an hour. Um, and they had, a, you know, Bill Graham. There were a lot of um, uh, a lot of ballrooms. And uh, I still have some uh, some posters uh, from San Francisco, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's see, B.B. Uh, King, uh, Jefferson Airplane, just a, a lot of bands from that area. Uh, and, uh, you know, there there were probably uh, at each concert at least, I'd say, three bands that were playing. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in San Francisco, that, that's got a... That's a lot of music right there. You you got the Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane, that yes. that whole group. Yeah. That's nuts for sure. Um, and um, and really, I think at that time, well, San I, Francisco uh, felt very comfortable. Uh, you know, with with avant garde, with rock and roll, with jazz. You know, um, you know, there were it it, it just kind of fit us because. We played a lot of different music, mm -hmm. and uh, and um, there wasn't really um, you know a, a straight kind of you know rock and roll band. Uh, Frank liked uh, 
a lot of uh, avant-garde. He liked a lot of classical things. He liked a lot of uh, jazz. So we covered, especially classical music, we covered a lot of areas uh, in that early day. And, uh, you know, a lot of people really didn't know what to make of us. But I think one of the things that made it interesting for the audience was that Frank always um, communicated and, and, and even abused the audience, you know, in, in a lot of respects, that uh, you didn't see other performers uh, like that. And the variety of music that we were playing was certainly, um, it was unique uh, in more ways than one. Yeah, I mean, that, that's to say the least. You guys you guys played all sorts of stuff. And that leads me to my, my next question here. Were you ever skeptical of any of, like, Frank's songwriting styles? Like, because he, he had some, for his time, it was, it was really ahead of his time, some of the stuff he said and some of the, some of the sounds he made on his records. Oh, no, there, no, there, there was no skepticism on my part. Uh, because I had to put so much time practicing. It was so technically difficult. You know, I mean, in going to school, you know, you, 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 you play Stravinsky, you play, you know, you play a lot of classical music. But Frank, being self-taught, didn't really write. But one of the things that uh, kind of early on presented uh, itself was... When you play piano or you play guitar, you never think about, when you write your music, a place to breathe. And a lot of Frank's music in, in, at that point, you know, I mean, you know, 20 bars of 32nd notes and, you know, no place to breathe. He, he didn't ever really think about a woodwind player playing his music and writing a place to breathe but um he was just he was every every time you know we were together you know he was always writing music and it was almost trying to play it immediately after he he wrote it oh wow yeah did you did you ever have to do like breath training or something to to make sure you could play all that all that stuff in a row no no, you can only play so long without taking a breath and you just have to, you know, hopefully you come back in at some point. But uh, I remember going, there was a, a festival in Paris, France, and I met one of the orchestrators there and I, I asked him when he uh, orchestrated, you know, other instruments for some of Frank's things, how he got around that point of, of having a, a, a place to breathe for some of the woodwind instruments. Um, and uh, he just laughed. But, uh, you know, there were always um, problems uh, uh, in that sense of always having to practice it and, and it technically being very difficult to play. Yeah, I, I mean, technically being difficult to play and just funky lyrics like Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention like you guys you guys were the kings of that you guys did so many wacky things it, it it's really neat to listen to yeah well I and I think that was in the beginning quite uh, the appeal uh when Frank 
uh, would connect up the audience, but we were always doing weird stuff on stage. Um, and there were always stories about stuff that supposedly went at, on stage. And a lot of times, Frank would call up people from the audience on stage so that there were always, uh, I guess you could say, weirdness, uh, always uh, always uh, developing before, after, and during the concerts. Yeah, that, that must have been like a little, you, you must have always been excited for that, right? Getting to see what happens, what happens tonight. I never looked at it like that other than uh, being ready, you know, for everything. And I think after a while, part of our, our band kind of um, in some way, shape or form knew that um, we need we needed to make Frank laugh because he he would he'd get a little too serious about uh, some of this stuff, and you, you you had to make sure that nobody made a mistake. Oh gosh, yeah, that that sounds funny, almost a little stressful there. Well, no, that that's part of you know having uh, to deal with the band leader, and um, uh, there's um, there's always you know there's. Uh, there's always a lot of inner inner things going on within the band uh, that you you always had to deal with, but most of it was again rehearsing all the time to make sure that you knew your part inside and out, and also the fact that in the early days uh, during uh, during a concert, Frank would jump up in the air, and when he came back he would go into another song oh wow and a lot of times he would expect us he would expect us to know what the song was going to be it didn't always exactly come off like that but a lot of times it was you know kind of magic so there were always <clears throat> continuous challenges mm -hmm. well what what other groups did you play with i'm not sure exactly but I think it was at the end of 66 or beginning of 67, we moved to New York because everything was so close together um, uh, and we, we could work all the time and, and we could just take a bus, you, you name it. So we, we uh, regularly uh, started playing so much more uh, in New York. Mm. Well, did you ever like engage with the folky scene up in, up in New York? There was so much going on uh, musically and in so many other areas that um, if we weren't rehearsing, <laughs> we were playing, you know, concerts and it was really uh, continuous uh, to some degree. And at one point um, in New York, Lowell George uh, from Little Feet uh, joined us. Oh wow, that must have and, been fun. Uh, it was. He didn't stay too long, but you know, uh, most of the time, if we had another guitar player, he would just he would be in the shadows all the time. You know, really not doing, getting a chance to do anything. Yeah, I mean, well, Frank was a great guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bunk, thank you so much for talking to me here. Your your whole story, um, your. Your saxophone, your clarinet, all of your music, and this has just been so interesting to hear about. I love hearing about music history and 
your story has just been incredible to listen to. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It, it was good talking to you. Take care. You too. I'm Sam Pador, and I hope you enjoyed that interview with Bunk Gardner. Bunk played woodwinds for Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention in the, the mid to late 60s and really had some interesting stuff to say about it. So if you did enjoy that interview, make sure to go to our website, mybackpages.org, or listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and hear many great interviews just like this one.